This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello and welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Emma Benner, and today you are listening to episode 95 with Miriam Muzaffer. Today's episode is extra special because our guest, Miriam, will actually be joining us as a new host for the Illuminate Podcast, and we as a team at the Illuminate Podcast are just so excited for her to join us, and I'm so sure that you will be too after you learn more about her in this conversation. She really has worn so many hats in her professional career. She started out as a divorce lawyer for the super rich in London and then went on to lead and grow a brand consultancy agency in New York City. And now she is the director of customer success at a performance marketing company. She also is currently working on a thriller novel and we get to hear all about that work in this episode. In this episode, Miriam also shares all about following your heart and switching career paths, leading a team and making sure everyone feels included, how living in other countries has impacted her day-to-day life and how she views everything, how giving back brings positivity into your own life, why she is excited to be joining the Illuminate Podcast team, and so much more. I am just thrilled to be sharing this conversation with Miriam today. She brought so much joy to me and it was so easy, such an easy interview. She's she's just really great and has done so many wonderful things in this world and is bringing light to so many. So if you love this episode, make sure to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app or share about it on social media and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any episodes that she will be hosting in the future. All right. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. All right, today on the Illuminate Podcast, I'm so excited to give a warm welcome to a very special guest today, Miriam Mazafer, who will also be joining the Illuminate Podcast team as a new host coming up. Hi, Emma. I'm so excited to be here today, and I can't wait to get started on hosting as well. Thank you. Oh, yes. We're we're so excited to have you join the team, and I just I feel like you are the perfect fit for this team because you yourself are so inspiring and have done so many incredible things for the world, which is why you get to have your own episode dedicated to you today before we hear from you on the other side of the microphone. Well, thank you so much. I'm just so looking forward to getting to know everyone that listens to our podcast and hopefully they can get to know me a little bit better today too. Yeah. And well, This isn't your first time on the podcast. You were first introduced um, to our audience when Kristen interviewed you last year for episode 44, I believe it was. Um, You and your sisters were, your two sisters were on the podcast to share about all the work that you were doing 
um, in the middle of the pandemic for New York City. You were you were raising funds for PPE for hospitals and working with local food banks and and doing all the things. And you also started a lifestyle clothing brand right around that time, wasn't it? Um, right around the podcast yeah. time, or was it way before that? It. It was before that, but a lot of our kind of e-commerce launch coincided with that with that kind of early pandemic time period. Okay. So it was a, it was a tricky time, but it was also important to us at the same time while launching our brand to be really mindful of what was happening in the world mm-hmm. around us and find a way to have giving back as that too. Yeah. So if anyone wants to learn more about that work and all that the three of you were doing during that time, I really, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode because it was a really good one. And just another example of incredible people in this world, you three were doing such great things for the world when, when the community needed it too. Yeah. I think one of the things that I always try to talk to people about when it comes to giving back is You know, oftentimes we might feel like we don't have enough time or energy or space to, you know, find a way to give back. And I think what I always find myself saying is how much energy it brings back to us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a give and take. Um, And I think that that's that's kind of what keeps you going back and um, wanting to create space for that in your life. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that. And I think that's just a theme that I hear over and over again on this podcast is people that are, you know, founding these nonprofits are doing these incredible things. And they all say what they get out of it, too. You know, it's they not only the satisfaction of um, doing something good for the world and doing something good for the community, but also like all the people that they meet and all the experiences that they get in turn from that. Definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we need to backtrack a little bit. You have such a full life and your plate is so full with so many incredible things. And um, I just love learning more and more about you because I feel like, you know, it keeps unraveling all the things that you've done and the places you've been and and all the different career paths you've had. So I would love if you could just (laughs) introduce yourself and share what you're all about to our listeners. Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, I think Emma, you're absolutely right. You know, when I when I think about it really hard, I realize just how many different paths my career, in particular, has taken in my life. And you know, it's definitely something that wasn't intentional, um, but it has sort of evolved along the way. And so, my my first career was as a practicing lawyer, and that was something that. You know, I very much intended on from when I was an undergrad, you know, it was like, okay, I'm going to go to law school, I'm going to be a lawyer. Um, I actually have a lot of lawyers in my family. So it seemed to be kind of a logical thing. I was really interested in a lot of those subjects. And I went along that journey. And I kind of went from actually while I was in law school doing a lot of internships and work around human rights, which is um, especially international human rights work that I was really passionate about. And through lots of sort of um, unexpected twists and turns, my first job out of law school as a lawyer was actually working at a law firm in London that specialized in high net worth divorce cases. Mm -hmm. So a little bit different than the human rights work, but actually in some ways, 
in some ways parallel um, in that you are working with individuals at a really tough time in their life. Yeah. Um, but I do think that kind of working in the UK, which, you know, was a part of, uh, you know, the EU and Europe at the time, I had a lot of colorful experiences along the way, and I learned a lot. Um, and it certainly was uh, quite, quite a roller coaster. So were you living in London for that whole career? I was, okay. yeah. So, and how many yeah. years was that? About four and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So from finishing law school to the end of your law career, you, mm -hmm. you so you were practicing lawyer for four and a half years-ish? Yep. Okay. Yep. And what led you to a career change? Yeah, that's such a good question. And, you know, I think career changes are something that I think a lot of people are sometimes scared to even let themselves think about mm -hmm. because, you know, often we've gone to school, we've trained, we've taken out student loans, you know, yeah. or you've dedica dedicated a lot of time and energy to something and to admit or realize, hey, maybe I don't want to keep doing this is tough. And it took me some time to get there too. And so for me, one of the first realizations I had was... I kind of wanted to move back to New York, which is where mm, I'm from. Yeah. Um, so that was important to me. But along that road, when I did move back, I realized that it was sort of private practice when it came to law that I really wasn't really fond of the culture that happens in a lot of law firms where sometimes, you know, there's there is very much a focus in a lot of firms on the billable hour, you know, mm -hmm. that is a part of the legal culture. And, you know, there's a reason for that. But I think when you really just want to focus on doing really great work and achieving great results, it can be a little demotivating. And I think so my first thought was, I don't really want to do private practice anymore. And so I really mm -hmm. just started to explore what was out there for lawyers um, you know, in a kind of tangential space, maybe doing policy, maybe doing work at a nonprofit. I really explored so many different things. And I think the most important thing for me at that time was to have an open mind. You know, I really yeah. took the time to meet with a lot of people in almost any sector that came to my mind. It was like, okay, I'm really interested in policy. Let me try to find as many people as I can, cold emails, random introductions, and meet with people and kind of find out what their experience is. And I think that's so important because oftentimes some things that you consider a dream career, when you sit down and speak to people, mm. you're just like, okay, that day-to-day -day doesn't sound great or yeah. some of the polit you know, some of those politics around what you're describing doesn't really seem like it's going to be fulfilling. So it was a real process for me to really come to a place where I realized, you know what, it's not about a kind of like brand name. You know, I think people are like, I need to be at some big shiny company or a big, you know, brand name career. And it's like, at the end of the day, what do I want to feel in my life? Mm, I love that. Yeah. And 
you know, it took me some time to get there mm -hmm. and be like, you know, actually, what makes me feel good? What was not making me feel good previously, right? And like, how do I make sure I feel the opposite of that um, in my next move? Because for me, it was like, if I'm really going to change my career, then I really want to change how I feel inside as well. Mm. Um, and it's when I kind of opened myself up to that, that I unlocked you know, unexpected things. And I ended up and kind of making a career change to working in the creative agency space where I was working at a brand consulting agency, which was very different industry. I really had to learn that industry. Um, but what was the same was, you know, being in a client facing role um, and kind of what was really important to me was whatever role I was in, I was making an impact on whether that was an individual or a company. You know, I love that story with your law experience, because I think in a career like that, like a lawyer or a doctor, something that you went to several years of school after undergrad that were specifically dedicated to that, and it, you know, probably took blood, sweat and tears and a lot <laughs> of money and everything, you still were able to recognize pretty soon into your career that it just it wasn't for you and it wasn't what filled you up and you were able to make that change. Like that's actually like such an incredible thing. It's so hard to leave something that you thought once was the right decision. Yeah, no, it's true. It It is difficult. And I think especially at that time, this was like, I don't know what we call it, the mid 2000s, maybe, <laughs> I'm not sure, um, where, you know, there wasn't as many platforms available as there are now. Like even on Instagram, you'll see a lot of accounts that talk about, you know, you can find sub so many subjects on so many things. I feel mm -hmm. like even more easily, even though it hasn't been that much time that's passed. Whereas at that time, you know, I didn't know anybody who had done that before. Mm hmm in my life who had, you know, actually completely pivoted. And so a lot of people in my life were questioning me, oh, you know, yeah. saying, you know, isn't it a waste? Um, haven't you wasted your time? But what about this? And how are you going to do that? And that was difficult. And I think for anyone out there who's, who's, you know, having those thoughts or doubts, I would say, you know, just because someone else in your life hasn't done it before or doesn't even understand doesn't make it wrong. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I, yeah. And I would also say, like, there's no such thing as a waste. There really isn't. All of my legal education and experience has helped me in every step of the way, in the way I think about things, the way I approach things. Mm -hmm. And really, it's just about understanding your you know, what are your skills and what are your values and how can you take that somewhere else? Because that's really all you need. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think career changes are so interesting and cool because the amount of experiences that add up and, and at the end of end of your life, I think you'll be able to look back and and see all the beautiful things and connections you made and experiences you had and yeah, how they all added up to to work with one another, right? Like Definitely. one might not think the role you're in now relates to your role as a lawyer, but yeah, you can pull pieces of that together and make it work like that. Definitely, which is something that's so fun to do. You know, you'll find you, you know, digging back into your, your, your training and are like, wait, actually, you know, the way I learned to approach strategy is really going to help me in a completely different industry. Yeah. What brought you initially to London for that career specifically? Yeah, well, there was um, 
a law firm in particular that was specializing in um, that type of law with high net worth clients. And I was had done an internship there in one summer while I was in law school. And um, it was just really exciting. They were at an exciting point um, in, in that, that firm sort of journey of really getting to a point of changing the law in the UK. They had a pivotal case at the Supreme Court over there um, to actually make prenuptial agreements binding, which were not binding in the UK, which is a lot of people don't didn't re, you know didn't realize that until our firm really broke through that pivotal case. Wow. Yeah, so it was just a really exciting time. Um, And I saw really quickly how being a part of a growing business um, can help you get so many skills on the ground that you might not get at a bigger place. Yeah, yeah. Um, So living in other countries and cultures and experiencing all that, how has that impacted how you live day to day now? Yeah, um, I... I love experiencing different cultures and languages and places, and I've been lucky enough to live in London. Like I said, I grew up in New York. I also lived in Cairo um, in Egypt between undergrad and law school. I studied um, Arabic in Egypt, which was an amazing time. That was um, some time ago now, but um, that was one of sort of really amazing experience because I think especially at a young age when you're able to throw yourself in a situation that's completely out of your comfort zone and Mm -hmm. then you kind of have that experience to take with you in your life to remind yourself of what you're capable of so I think that was really important for me Um, so I think for me a lot of how that kind of impacts how I live my life now is you know putting yourself in uncomfortable situations because living in a different country, whether that's somewhere like England, where they speak English and very similar culture, or Egypt, which is very different, either way, it's hard. You know, either way, Mm -hmm. you have to figure things out. You know, how do I, you know, turn on the internet in this other country, right? Like, how does that work? How does the public transportation work? Where do I get, I remember being in London and being like, where do I buy light bulbs? Because it wasn't so straightforward, you know? Yeah. But I think having to figure things out for yourself, um, it just helps you kind of strengthen who you are inside, at least for me, where I'm just able to draw on those experiences and be like, hey, I've been through this, I've been able to overcome that. And so it just makes me feel more confident to kind Mm -hmm. of try new things in my life, you know, try new things and not be afraid to look stupid or like Mm -hmm. not get it, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm going to try and I'm going to keep trying. Or be thrown into a new environment where you know, I assume you knew really no one and had to meet all new friends and a yes. new community. Yeah. Was it hard being a, that far away from family and friends in New York City? Um, it was hard. Uh, I think, you know, being in London, I was able to, you know, come home for holidays and things like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't too far, but at the same time, there was a time difference. Um, So it was it was a challenge. I think it also just helps you learn how to cultivate your relationships in Mm -hmm. your life, you know, and I learned a lot about myself about, you know, 
you know, how important it is, you know, not to leave that text hanging and follow up with people oh, yeah. and that, you know, you have to show up for people in your life too. Yeah. And now on the flip side, you probably have a ton of friends that are over in Europe yes. and that you're doing, you know, a longer distance friendship with, with yeah. them now when you're in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Some of my, actually one of my best friends, amazingly, I met her in Cairo and then she was actually British. And so she lived in London. So when I ended up moving there, I kind of, you know, just has kind of taken our friendship over the years across countries and uh, which has been amazing. Were you able to travel a lot while over there? Because I think that's probably, that has to be one of the coolest things when you live, um, in a different part of the world as you're now closer to different areas to travel yes. to that aren't as like easily as accessible in the United States. So one of your, what, what were some of your favorite travel spots while over yeah. in Europe? No, that is such a plus. And I think a lot of times people think about, you know, you're in Europe, you can travel in Europe, which is obviously very true. But what mm. I hadn't realized before moving there was how accessible lots of other continents are at the same time yeah. in compa- in comparison to the US. So for example, I was lucky enough to be able to go to Marrakesh in Morocco a couple of times because it was only four hours from London. Uh, comparison to the US, it's probably, I don't know, 12 hours or more, I imagine. So, um, you know, being able to go to North Africa as quickly mm. as that was really cool. Um, I loved Marrakesh. That was super fun. And then also just really being able to also go places cheaply, which I miss. I'm not going to lie. Oh, that sounds like the most wonderful experience. And like you said, has has brought over, you know, a day to day change in in your life just from all the travel and, and living in different cultures. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it just helps you have more of an open mind. I don't think you have to, you know, live in a different country to be able to kind of experience that feeling that I was explaining. I think, you know, especially over the last 18 months, you know, we really haven't been able to travel very much. And I think it's given us the opportunity to explore locally, which has been super Mm, fun for me. I'm sure for a lot of people. Um, and just, I remember last, uh, you know, last fall going upstate New York, which is so beautiful, yeah. you know, with mountains and farms and all, you know, all sorts, not far from the city. Um, and just sitting by a lake with some mountains and being like, this could be Switzerland. <laughs> you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. I mean, not, I haven't been to Switzerland, so I don't want to exaggerate too much, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you, you get the vibe and the, that feeling, you can get that feeling, very close to home of, of kind of that new experience. Yeah. I think sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that there's such beauty right here in the United States too. You know, it's, it's the draw to go travel elsewhere, but there's also so much to explore within the United States. You don't, you don't quite get that experience of different cultures and, and that's one of the beauties of traveling outside of the U S too. But, um, yeah, there is still a lot to explore, right. You know, a couple hour plane ride away from here too. Totally. Well, was next in your career, you went on to lead the brand consulting agency? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started out when I made my career move um, on the account team side Mm -hmm. um, of of the agency. And then within a couple of years, I was promoted to managing director where I led our New York office for about, I think, almost four years, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. uh, which was amazing. That was another growing business that I was a part of um, to grow 
the team and our client base. And, you know, that was a whole new world for me to learn how to run a business, how to make it effective, how to make it, you know, profitable and, you know, lead a team that is satisfied and clients that are satisfied. Um, and then kind of navigate that through the pandemic, which was definitely difficult for lots of small businesses. Yeah. Um, and so I learned a lot uh, along that road as well. Yeah. And what from what I've gotten to know about you is really your excitement to learn from others and, and be challenged with new things like a leadership role or, you know, just a completely different type of company. And that's that's impressive to me. I just love your excitement for that to take on those challenges. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I, I think I do. I am someone who loves to learn as kind of <laughs> as as as, uh, as corny as that might sound. I really yeah. do um, kind of I, I have I'm, I'm in a new uh, role right now, which mm-hmm. is about, you know, not only a couple of months old um, at a tech company and I'm 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 in a leadership role there and but the kind of content of what I'm learning on the tech side is so different and it's so interesting. Yeah. Um so it's a lot to take in but I've just been fascinated by it and I and I think that's the other thing that is so um amazing about being open to trying new things and changing your career is you just get to learn about a lot of things and um you know the way so many different companies and departments and industries work and so my role now is in the e-commerce space and so I'm mm-hmm. learning so much about that um which as someone who is definitely an online shopper I'm finding so interesting just to learn you know learn how that works yeah I was saying that to you when we were talking about editing is like now that I've been so involved in the podcast production side it's so funny to um, listen to podcasts myself and I find myself like pausing I'm just like out for a run and I like want to hit pause and edit it because I'm like oh my gosh there was a mistake or I you know I would take that out or something like that so it's funny when you like you with online shopping are now your eyes are open to that and like so um, open yeah so it's it that's it's a funny side of things but um yeah just all your careers have been like from the outside do seem so different and do seem like they've taken you on so many different paths for sure yeah, I think I think definitely on the face of it, you're you could be like, oh my god, this is so different. And I think the thing that has stayed the same is, you know, I've always been really clear. I, I got to a place where I was clear with myself that I want to be in a an environment where I am having a positive impact and Mm -hmm. you know whether that's like helping a team you know develop their career making an impact on business growth or clients that we're working with i really enjoy that kind of client facing experience um and working within strategy as well but then also i think don't you know don't underestimate how important it is to be in an environment that you feel good in you know, where you have support that you need, where you feel valued and included. Um, I think it's really easy, especially I think in my generation, um, to, you know, to want to sweep that under the rug. And, you know, we weren't taught in the same way a lot of younger people are now, which I really admire, to really, you know, 
kind of make sure a company is including you and valuing mm. you and, you know, thinking about all of that. That's definitely something I've learned from from younger people that I've worked with. And as a leader yourself, how do you think you can present that to your team? How do you think you can make your own team feel included and like they have a huge impact on the company? Yeah, that's such a great question, Emma. I think I think you have to you have to lead by example. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, anything that you expect your team to do or behave, you have to really be a model for that. Mm-hmm. And so I think a part of that is you know, welcoming questions, being really honest and transparent in your answers. Um, even if you don't know something, saying that, but always following through. You know, always following through with coming back to a response, even those difficult questions. And definitely people will ask and, you know, not running away from those and, and taking those head on. Um, and I think when it comes to inclusion, you know, creating that atmosphere where people feel like they're heard. Mm. Um, and that they're listened to and that it's something is acted on, even if the result isn't what that person wanted, they see that you made an effort to either answer it or to do something about it. I think that really matters. Um, and I think, you know, inclusion is, is a whole other space, but I think, you know, when we're talking about, you know, creating more diverse work environments, Mm -hmm. that's great. But I think when a company is only focusing on the diversity side and not the inclusion side. Mm. That's where things also can go a little bit sideways because you can, you know, you can hire people from many different backgrounds, but if they get there and they don't feel heard and they don't feel seen, then that's really not going to accomplish what you might want it to. Mm. So I think it's just being really mindful of those little moments along the way. And I think every interaction is an opportunity for that. You know, whether it's, a welcome gift that you send someone, you know, well, are we making sure that that's an inclusive gift, you know, Mm -hmm. to how are you running a team meeting and how are you making sure everyone's voice is heard? And I think it's, um, I think, you know, people need to see the action, not just the words of, hey, Mm -hmm. we, Mm -hmm. you know, we respect everyone. And it's like, well, you have to back that up with with what you do. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Um, Okay, I'm so excited about this Mm -hmm. new adventure that you're taking on of writing your own novel. Let's hear about it. What is this novel all about? Oh my goodness. Um, I should have practiced an elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that so funny when it's like, you know, it's so well, but then when you try to explain it to other people, they're like, what? Yeah, (laughs) it's it's definitely a work in progress, but um, I have you know, embraced, I think, a creative part of me in the last eight or so years, I would say, actually, around the time that I pivoted my career from practicing law, I realized how there was a creativity inside of me that I'd just been suppressing, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure a lot of people, you know, might be able to relate to, whether that's someone who used to like paint when they were in high school and then just never picked it up again. You know, I was someone who always loved to tell stories, make up stories, um, write short stories. Even in law school, I remember when the work would get too much, I would just write short stories for myself for fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes you just need an outlet. 
And so I think I kind of reconnected with that side of myself. And, um, you know, I drafted one book, which I kind of consider a practice book in a way, and maybe I'll revisit it one day. But um, it was just really, uh, you know, a way for me to dedicate myself to like, okay, I'm actually going to give time and energy to writing and believe in myself that that's something that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the book that I'm working on now is a book that I'm really excited about because I really focused, well, I didn't, I think book, book ideas are interesting, at least for me. I haven't necessarily searched them. They kind of find me in a okay. way. Yeah. And so with this particular book, it's it really uh, came to me in a way that I think I initially resisted because it was a it, it was very close, I think, to me as a person. And sometimes you are a little hesitant, uh, you know, um, only because uh, my main character, you know, shares a lot of characteristics of my identity in oh, that she, cool. um, you know, she grew up in New York like I did. And mm-hmm. um, her family is from Pakistan, like my parents are. And she's okay. an American. Um, she's an American Muslim. And so it's, uh, it's, it's an urban fantasy novel, I would categorize it as. And it's really about sort of a what-if scenario. And it takes place in New York, and my main character has a a hidden ability that she doesn't quite know of yet, mm. or she, she actually doesn't quite understand how it manifests inside of her. And she's put into a situation where because of that ability, she is uh, mistaken to be involved in a crime that takes place. And it kind of sets her on a path of discovering what this ability is and how is she going to get out of this situation that she finds herself wrongfully accused. Mm. Um, And it does take place in 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 the early 2000s when there was a lot going on in the U.S. on sort of counterterrorism measures mm. and intelligence of U.S. kind of surveillance of U.S. citizens. And so it a lot of it kind of um, takes place during that time period where there were so many things happening um, in the U.S. kind of legally that really changed things for people. It's interesting because, you know, in talking about my career, a lot of the, the novel intersects a lot of my experiences Mm -hmm. whether that's where I grew up and how I grew up but also the law because a lot of the work that I did in law school was around you know things like around um, Guantanamo detainees and treatment and Mm -hmm. kind of the laws that were taking place during that time there's a lot of intersection I think in the novel but at the same time not a lot of complete world-building imagination at the same time So would it go as far as being considered historical fiction at all? I don't think so. No, I think if anything, it would be more speculative fiction, you know, so kind of um, hypothetical, I guess. Mm. So yeah, a little bit based in in a real time period, but then also... um, some, some, uh, some, some made up, (laughs) made up stuff as well. 
Yeah. So what's the writing process look like? Like, When are you setting aside time to write this? How long have you been working on this book? And like how, like start to finish, how long do you project it'll take you to finish this whole project? (laughs) Yes. I wish I had the definitive answer. So it's definitely something that... I've had to work on making time and space for, which definitely isn't easy when there's so many things happening in life. Um, But I think, so, so far with this particular novel, I've been working on it for about nine months. Um, But I can't say those nine months have been full of dedication. Um, But I will say uh, the best thing for me has been to create routines Mm -hmm. and to value your creative time just like you would value um you know going to a doctor's appointment or your workout time you know really carving out the space and deciding for yourself this is something that I care about and I have to make time for um and it definitely has gotten to a place for me where writing I think similar to how we were talking about giving back to other people, you know, writing is also a relationship or, you know, your creativity is also a relationship and it it is given, give and receive. And what I found is the more time and space you give to cultivate to it, the more it gives back to you, you know? So Mm. for me, it's really been about uh, writing in the morning before work, which a lot of people might be like, well, I'm not a morning person. And trust me, I am not a morning person. I am a night owl. <laughs> yeah. I could stay up till 5 a.m. No problem. Really? Easy. I'm like, the no exact caffeine. opposite. <laughs> I, it's, it's a problem. I wish I was the opposite. And so I had to become a really disciplined person about my sleep, about my waking up. And, you know, so I was writing an hour before work. And all I really needed was an hour because that's when I realized that because I'm dedicating that time um, and because my body and my mind got used to, okay, when I when I write, this is how I do it. I sit in this room, I have my coffee, and it just becomes a habit, really. And so mm-hmm. your brain is sort of primed for that experience, and so it gives it back to you, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think it's one of the reasons why I don't really believe in writer's block. Okay. Um, I think you can definitely be stuck on a story, no doubt about that. You know, you can feel like you're not sure where to go and you're confused, but you can definitely write something. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not be exactly what you think is going to make it to the final draft, but you can you can just experiment. Just even something write to work the bad with. stuff. Yeah. yeah, just get that bad stuff out. But I think what what your creativity wants from you is for you to sit down and show up for it and make that effort and that it will come back to you. That is so good. Um, So you loved it so much as a passion and it was kind of like your um, release for so long. What has it looked like now that it's transitioned? I mean, it's not technically work work, but now that it's transitioned to more of a a job, I guess you could say with a mission to complete this whole novel what's that looked like has it have you noticed different changes in your passion for it or has that continued to stay so strong I think the passion has definitely stayed strong I think what 
has shifted for me at times when I let it get to me is the pressure I put on myself. Okay. So I think there is a different relationship when you're just like, I'm just writing this. No one is ever going to see it. This is just fun versus, hey, I would really love to get this out there in the world. You know, I'd really love to get an agent, you know, which is a, a, a different journey that I have some time to get to. But but even sometimes when you get in your own head about that, you might be thinking about, oh, well, how would an audience react to this? Oh, and then yeah. you might sell, you know, you might self-censor in a way that doesn't really serve the work. Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of getting out of your head and just forgetting about that and just kind of almost acting like, no, I'm I'm telling myself the story. And so what does the publishing process look like? Is this something you do plan to have published and you're going to work with a publisher or self-publish or something of the sort? Yeah, I would love to. I would okay. love to. I've never, I haven't really tried that, um, that yet, but I, okay. I intend to, I intend to for sure. And so um, the process, as I understand it at a high level is, you know, once you're manuscript is completed and really that has to be to the best of your abilities like not a first draft you know a very sort of final draft as far as you know it Mm -hmm. um is to work on getting a literary agent first and foremost if you're going down the traditional publishing route um so you would you know write a number of query letters uh, hopefully get a response from someone who is interested in shopping your book around to a publisher Okay. And so it, it, it is quite a journey. And so once you get an agent, then they shop it around, then hopefully you'd get a publisher interested. And then there's a whole separate process of working with one of the editors at the publisher to then refine the book even further. So it, it, it is quite a, um, quite a process, which is why I think in the drafting stage, it's just important to stick with your creative, creative process because, you yeah. know, you can't really think that far down. Um, but I think for me, it's been more of the decision to take this seriously for myself, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And um, obviously, when that time comes, you know, you have a place to advertise yes. and market the book <laughs> through the Illuminate podcast. So yes, hopefully. Um, excited to follow along that journey and hear where you're going with that. You'll have to keep all of us updated along the process as much as you can share. I don't know if any of it sometimes be kind of under the under the table. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I would love to. And I think the most important thing that I've learned in kind of embracing all of this is that we are all creative, Mm. you know, um, everyone in some way, shape or form, whether that's through cooking and baking or, you Mm -hmm. know, there's so many different things. And I think for a long time, and maybe that was a lot of, you know, from, from going through law school and practicing law, I think there's so many different parts of ourselves that get suppressed along the way in our life. Yeah. And I think what I've learned is to really just try our best to embrace those different parts of ourselves Mm. and to give them space to breathe too because your life is never just going to be one thing. and, and, And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't just be your job or your career, you know, or your business even. You know, it's important to have a whole life. Well, and to put yourself out there unapologetically, too, because I think, you know, with writing a book or doing podcast interviews or anything creative or anything in that sorts, you're welcoming in critics. You're welcoming in people to see your work firsthand and 
criticize it and and say what's wrong with it and stuff like that but being unapologetic and saying this is what I want to do and I think I'm good at it and I think I have a talent and and doing it unafraid yeah you're not necessarily unafraid but just like willingly you know yes yeah no I think you're so right and I think you know so many people I've met who you know it, it, it takes you a while you know I'm you know, somebody I've worked with on the writing side before calls it um, coming out of your writer's closet in a way to, you know, because a lot of times people are just kind of doing things, these, you know, it kind of feels silly to say, I'm trying to write a book or I'm trying, you know, you know, sometimes one of the first questions people will ask is, oh, well, are you, are you published? And you're like, well, not yet, yet. (laughs) but that's okay. But that's also okay. And it's also okay if you don't want to be, (laughs) you know, if that's not a goal. Um, I think, like you said, it's just about trying it and doing it and feeling comfortable in that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that. Um, (laughs) So I do want to hear about just talking about you joining the Illuminate podcast team. And I want to hear why it interested you to join the team. I think something so clear about your journey and, and what you're all about is that you follow your passions and you find what lights you up and what you want to do and you, you go after it and you um, don't let anything get in your way. So what, <laughs> what encouraged you to um, join the Illuminate podcast team? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of the team. I've been an admirer of the podcast, you know, for the past year or so. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I found so unique about the Illuminate podcast is the fact that, you know, I, I feel like there was a real mission there to shine a light on people that we don't know. You know, it's not about you know, a big uh, celebrity necessarily that that you would have heard of, you know, on people.com or something. You know, these are everyday people doing amazing things or really living their life in a way that's going to open your eyes to something. And I found myself listening to podcasts and feeling so inspired by people's stories and journeys. And again, kind of edifying myself of, you know, this person, you know, did this so I I can try it too. Or, you know, maybe I want to you know, do something similar. And so I really love that mission behind the podcast. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, everyone on the team has such a wonderful nature and approach to interviews. And I think that is also really inspiring to me. I think so much of my life, my personal life, my professional life is about making connections with people. Um, And I think that's how we learn so much and grow and become better, you know, citizens, really, Um, that I I would just love to be a part of that. I would be love to be a part of bringing other people's stories to to the world and shining a light on them and creating those connections. Well, we're so excited to have you to share your voice and bring your experiences to the table. And and yeah, everything you bring is going to be so wonderful and such a great addition and such a positive addition to shedding the light of so many others. So I'm excited um, to start to get to listen to your episodes and when you start publishing in the in the next couple months. And I think you have a lot of great things ahead with with interviewing. Yes, I'm so excited to get started and, you know, share some really great stories. So thank you so much, Emma. 
Yeah. So I didn't prep you for this. So it's okay if you don't have like a super (laughs) solid answer, but what types of people or um, cause areas or things like that are you most interested in and hope to bring on to interview yourself? Yeah. You know, I've, I've definitely thought um, about that and kind of how I can contribute to, to, to the space and the voices we have on the podcast. I think definitely um, I, I'm interested in bringing people who explore, you know, things that I'm passionate about that I think other people will be too. So whether that's on the creative side, whether that's, you know, writers or artists who are doing really cool and interesting Mm -hmm. things in their communities um, to also people who are kind of adventurous, who are, you know, trying new things, living abroad, you know, solo travelers. Um, So definitely a a lot of what um, combines a lot of my passions. But at the same time, I think a lot of people could could relate to. Mm, I love that. I'm so excited. And there's um, so many great interviews ahead. So, well, I loved getting to know you a bit more and sharing your story with the listeners. But to wrap it up here, um, what is the best or most recent book that you've read? Ooh, <laughs> that is a tough one. I think so. I'm going to go with a book that I read quite a quite a long time ago. So it's not the most recent, but I think it was a, a pivotal book for me, and it's called Salt and Saffron, and by it's by an author uh, Kamala Shamsi. Okay, and she's a Pakistani author, and I think the reason why that book comes to mind is it's, it's a really amazing kind of family saga story that takes place between Pakistan and the UK, and I read it in college. Um, And it was my first time reading a South Asian author, believe it or not. Um, Mm. And it really just opened my eyes to the fact that, you know, I think it was my first experience with representation and how much that does make a difference seeing yourself on a page, seeing your family in a story. And I'd always been an avid reader my whole life, but, you know, definitely grew up in a time when that wasn't the case. You know, those types of books were not accessible. Um, And it was actually a a novel that I found while visiting Pakistan in an English language bookstore. So I hadn't Mm. even found it in the U.S., Um, But I loved the story and it just opened my eyes that, you know, and I think maybe even though it was years before I started writing myself, it did plant the seed that maybe I could be a writer too, you know? Well, and you're going to give someone else that same experience that you experienced, the representation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why actually my book is the the current book that I'm writing is really special to me because, yeah, it it is that representation Mm -hmm. of someone like me who Mm -hmm. grew up, you know, um, in in a similar place and time that I did. Mm, I love that. I love that. And just the impact that you could have potentially on someone in writing a novel is, is so beautiful to see and to hear from, from your own, from you too. Yeah. I I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what is an organization that you like to support and you would like to illuminate today? Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking. Um, I'm going to say two, if that's okay, because I think the one is one. I think one is one is sort of local, and one is more global. Okay. And I think you know, for me, that 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 that's a helpful way to look at it. Yeah. So 
one um, sort of place I am really kind of uh, passionate about supporting is our local um, community pantry and fridge. And, um, you know, we didn't have one in my area until the pandemic when, you know, food insecurity became even more of an issue, I know, in lots of cities around the U.S. And I would really encourage everyone to look up in their local area if they have a community pantry or fridge. And it's slightly different than a food bank in that um, for, for, for people who might be uh, curious, at least the one in my area and in New York City, there are, you know, it's literally a, a pantry on the side of, uh, you know, mm. on a street, right. on, on the side of a store where there is a pantry and there's also a fridge, but it's outside on a sidewalk. Anybody who's passing by, you know, there are some signs that say, you know, please, you know, take one or be mindful that there are other people and, and whatever. Yeah. But it's beautifully kind of painted and really well kept, all managed by volunteers who have a system of making sure things are clean and organized. And, you know, they run a social media page to let people know, you know, hey, we could really use some love today and things like that. And I think I really love the fact that it's so accessible Mm -hmm. and there's no sort of questioning or, you know, you know, shame that is involved that I know sometimes can happen um, at at a place like a food pantry. Not that, you know, food pantries are awesome as well, but I think with with the community pantry, just being able to just walk by when you need it, nobody's out there monitoring you or questioning you. And um, it's definitely something that I, you know, throughout the course of the past year had, you know, um, decided that it's going to be something that I regularly contribute to wow. and volunteer with. And yeah. so I would really encourage on a very kind of hyper-local level, it is a very hyper-local thing right. of just, you know, hey, when you're at the grocery store, pick up a few extra things or make another order online and just drop it off whenever yeah. you have the time. Um, but it really makes such a difference. And I think the biggest thing I've noticed is, you know, sometimes – you know, I will, you know, go and, and, you know, really try my best to like restock the pantry. And then the next day, you know, they're posting, hey, it could really use some love. And that makes you realize how many there are so many people it. in need, yeah. you know, there are so wow. many people in need. And it really just hits you that, you know, it's it's the com- and, and, and the fact that it's just run by volunteers in the community, I think, is really powerful. You know, one day when I was dropping off stuff, I saw a father and daughter. I think mm. that the daughter was maybe like 10 years old. And they were just full on, like you could tell they had a system and like the daughter was doing mm, a task and yeah. the father was, and the, and the dad introduced himself and he was like, yeah, me and my daughter, we do this together every Tuesday. And oh, like, how special. And I just thought that was so amazing to be like, you know, they're spending time together, mm-hmm. but he's also teaching her something really valuable. Right. And I just thought it was awesome. So yeah, community pantries, I think people should look into. Um, Is there a resource sure. to find one in your area or do you have to just be kind of on the lookout when you're out and about in your own community to see if you see one? I think kind of be out and about, but I would also, you know, there are a lot of local resources. If you just even look up food pantries, you know, in your area, Mm -hmm. oftentimes those community fridges and pantries also come up when you do a Google search. Oh, okay. That's great to know. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And if I find a resource, I will let you know. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, and then on a more global level, um, a nonprofit that my, my family and I are really involved in is called 
the Citizens Foundation, which is a nonprofit based out of Pakistan, which I know I've mentioned is where my family is from. Um, mm -hmm. They've been around for about 25 years now, and I, I've been involved in, in the Young Professionals chapter in New York, where they're dedicated to building and also maintaining schools in Pakistan, in sort of underserved mm. communities in Pakistan. So that might be rural areas that don't have a lot of schools or a lot of sort of quality schools, as well as urban areas that are just overpopulated and really difficult to access for children mm. as well. Um, I definitely will say education is something that is really near and dear to my heart. I've seen the impact that education had on my parents, um, on their lives and really transforming their lives, you know, for the better from, you know, coming from Pakistan, you know, being able to get to a higher education and, you know, moving to the U.S. and continuing their studies here. Um, but it all started with going to good schools, you know, mm. or or being able to excel at maybe a not so good school as yeah. well. And I think, you know, a lot of times people will look at developing countries and, you know, have a lot of criticisms, fair or not, on on, on how things are going, whether that's corruption or, or mismanagement. Um, but I think when you think about how is a particular country going to grow and prosper? It really starts with focusing on children and how are we empowering them? Oh, and, yeah. you know, how are we giving them the tools they need to, you know, take their families out of poverty, to really mm -hmm. uplift their families. And so, you know, the the Citizens Foundation is really dedicated to making sure that 50% of their schools include female children, which is really important, especially in some rural areas, um, to, you know, make sure that the staff is really well trained and the facilities are mm -hmm. up to par. And, you know, they've had great success now with students who have illiterate parents, um, who parents who had never gone to school a day in their life. And now those students have graduated mm -hmm. and gone on to university to become doctors, which is incredible. That is. Um, yeah. And they've really changed the trajectory of their families. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot, especially coming from the U.S. It doesn't take a lot of money to support those kids. Right. Um, so that that's just something I've been really passionate about is yeah. giving my time and energy to um, mm. fundraising for that organization. And it's been amazing that our chapter in New York has been able to endow a school for its lifetime really um, through our fundraising. Wow. So it's it's so amazing. Like I just think about the number of kids who will be able to go through that school. Yeah, um, hopefully in the future. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, and who or what in particular is illuminating you in your life right now? Ooh. <laughs> I think, I think the who is illuminating my life would have to be uh, both my sisters oh, who yeah. are definitely um, amazing cheerleaders for me and you know, I'm always 
you know, trying to do something maybe a little unusual and they are always there to support me and help me flush mm-hmm. my ideas out and, um, you know, make me feel like I can actually do the thing that I'm thinking about. So I, I think they, they're definitely illuminating my life. And then to finish it out here, what is your one message you'd want to send to the world? Yeah, um, small question, right? (laughs) (laughs) So simple. Um, I would say to take some time out to practice gratitude in your life. Mm. I think that has been the single biggest kind of habit that has transformed my life is a gratitude practice of really, you know, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, taking time in the morning or before you go to bed and simply just write down three things you're grateful for and why. Mm. And you'd be so surprised at how it can really change your mood and how you're feeling, whether it's you know, whether you're having a good day or a bad day. And I think that simple practice that doesn't cost any money Mm -hmm. um, and takes five minutes has really helped change my perspective on how I live my life. So that is my message is try it out. Just try it out for like 10 days and see how you feel. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Miriam Mazafer. As I said in the intro and throughout this episode, I'm just thrilled to be able to have her join the Illuminate podcast team. We're really lucky because she's going to bring such a great perspective to interviewing other guests that are doing such great work in the world, just as she is. So thank you, Miriam, for taking the time to chat with me today. And for coming on as a host. We're so excited and I hope all the listeners are as well. So if you are, make sure to give us a follow on social media at the Illuminate Podcast on Instagram and at Illuminate underscore pod on Twitter and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss out on any of the episodes coming out and especially those that will be hosted by Miriam. All right. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today and I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.